Welcome to episode 14 of Oh God, It Hurts. Oh God, It Hurts. <laughs> it does hurt. It, it, it hurts, hurts so, so bad. It hurts so bad. <laughs> or like John Cougar Mellencamp, hurts so good. Hey, didn't you say that before? I might have, but... Is this I a rerun? <laughs> no, sometimes it doesn't feel like it should, Ed. <laughs> It hurts so good. I'll have to take your word for it, sir. Mm -hmm. All right. So this is Game Agent E.T. here amidst the beautiful cherry blossoms in Osaka, Japan. And over 6,000 miles across the Pacific Ocean is my great friend and fellow co-host of this show, Triple J, a.k.a. James, a.k.a. the Six-Button Samurai. How are you, good sir? You know, um, we're having some... uh odd heat spikes you know the presence of the demigod of the desert known as summer is um not here but um we can hear his entourage down the hall and so we're beginning to prepare appropriately actually had my air conditioning service last week because it's far better to deal with that shit in april than july because the last thing you want to do is have no AC in Tucson, Arizona, especially in your car or in your house. No, I um, I suffered with a swamp cooler for a great many years um, wow. up through childhood. Obviously, it wasn't that bad. If you don't know what a swamp cooler is, um, your life is probably better than mine. Um, <laughs> but uh, needless to say, it's basically like really old cooling tech where there's basically a fan in a box and some like pads made of straw through which the air blows and therefore it gets cool. The problem is that later on in the summer when it becomes the monsoon season around here and things get more humid, those swamp coolers become utterly worthless at cooling down your home. So yeah. Yeah. But, gotta gotta take care of yourself in the desert. Gotta stay hydrated. Well, I hope uh, the AC holds up for you, and you'll be able to survive uh, another very very dusty and uh, very dry summer. It'll but yeah, it'll be good. Yeah, but I'm yeah. glad to hear that you're doing all right. Um, oh yeah, here in Japan, uh, cherry blossoms, as I said, are in full bloom. Nice, and uh, it's kind of a nice event in japan basically it's kind of like a rolling type of season where it's like you'll see cherry blossoms uh i forget if it's if it comes out earlier in the south where okinawa is or yeah i think it comes out early in the south where okinawa is and then as it travels up towards japan uh the cherry blossom two-week season kind of like rolls by until it reaches the coldest point of japan which is hokkaido Mm -hmm. so it's a nice thing to see nice uh renewal yeah a fresh start uh april is always like a new beginning because uh that's when the academic year starts for japanese students and okay it's also a common day where new hires start their new jobs uh fresh out of universities it's a new beginning. Awesome. And speaking of beginnings, let's start with the water cooler. 
water cooler. Yeah, water cooler. So um, this big gulp right here uh, kind of hit Nintendo fans pretty hard, like me. Uh, Breath of the Wild 2, you might have heard, formerly slated for late 2022, is now delayed into 2023. Well, so, yeah. I'd say if you're a longtime Nintendo fan, this shouldn't surprise you at all. No. Because Zelda shouldn't. games have a long history of being announced, being kicked around, and then getting a delay, especially given where we're at with the hardware cycle. Yeah. Um, I think it's pretty easy to see this either coming out over a year from now mm-hmm. or getting kicked down to whatever hardware succeeds the switch. Yeah. Which we'll see what happens if there's any news about that. Definitely. Yeah. We can expect breath of the wild two to come out around the same time as this either upgrade like a switch pro or a new yeah. successor to switch, which I still kind of doubt because, uh, the, the president of Nintendo did say that, the Switch is now in its halfway mark of its life cycle. So, mm-hmm. if anything, it'll probably be an upgrade more than anything if they do one. But it kind of reminds me of a famously misattributed quote uh, of Shigeru Miyamoto, where people thought he said, a delayed game is eventually good, but a rushed game is forever bad. So, people See, I thought... the quote... Yeah, I, rem- I was going to say, I remember that quote originally being a late game is only late until it comes out. Yeah. A bad game is a bad game forever. Exactly. So, like I said, it's been misattributed and misquoted because yeah. people thought he said this when Ocarina of Time was delayed for Nintendo 64. Right. So a lot of uh, people are saying it's not true and they think it was uh, kind of like a tagline that a lot of Western companies already kind of pushed right uh in those times so and of course that even you know that's well before uh you know your patches quality of life to updates etc exactly yeah (laughs) so that saying is well i mean it's still gonna have uh, ramifications if you look at a game like cyberpunk right i mean I think nowadays people should have gotten a really big delay. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's been delayed. It was delayed for quite a long time. And then when they finally tried to push it out, it was still premature and it had a pushed it out. All right. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Out the door with no clothes on. Almost bowl. (laughs) Yeah. Into the bowl, into the the stank bowl with no clothes. Just butt-ass naked but i've heard that um it's really quite worth playing now particularly if you've either got like the fatty bo batty pc or ps5 or series x console like yeah it's apparently a really solid experience now after many 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 patches yeah and that's good and all but would you want nintendo to do that with breath of the wild 2 Probably no, not, right? we we know, of course, that that's the last thing that they would ever do with that sort of thing. That's just not how they roll. Well, not only that, I mean, 
from what everyone says, the uh, at Nintendo, the the work conditions there are quite quite good, almost yeah. excellent compared to other companies that have the crunch type of workplace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, take your time because I mean, Animal Crossing New Horizons went through that same type of uh, setback. I, right. I believe it was almost a year setback, but that didn't affect sales at all. People <laughs> sure <still> didn't. <laughs> nope. No, nope. it was like almost the best-selling game of all time for Nintendo Switch. So, yeah, mm-hmm. take your time, man. No, no rush. And not only that, I, I don't know about other people, but I'm I'm all for letting your employees just use that energy wisely and not feel pressured to push anything out just for a couple quick bucks. You know what I mean? Yes. So it's good. And well, as, uh, as much as I like to say, you know, yeah, definitely take your time. It does kind of have a little bit of a, uh, forbear, uh, how should I say it? Um, it's a little scary. Uh, the back end of this year for Nintendo because after Splatoon 3, which is thankfully still slated for summer uh, of this year, mm-hmm. there's not much down the pipe for this year. It's true. Yeah, like Bayonetta 3. I mean, it's kind of the same as Breath of the Wild 2. They only have, what, a cutscene trailer with some gameplay footage, and it's barely anything. So Yeah, but those guys... Platinum in particular, like really pretty insanely secretive until like something's ready to drop. You know what I mean? Because like Astral Chain pretty much came out of nowhere. Uh, That there was there there was very little talk about that game until it was just about to drop anyway, and people were just like, "Holy crap! Here's another platinum game." You know? Yeah, and that's good, but. You got to admit, because it's not, it's a title that is new. They weren't in any pressure to release anything about that until it was super ready. And that is also true. Yeah. And I mean, not only that, Metroid Prime 4, when is that coming out? It's probably not going to come out this year. Xenoblade Chronicles 3, that's probably not coming out this year. So, what do we have for Nintendo at the end of this year? It's kind of scary. I hope they have something up their sleeve. Maybe, uh, you know, a lot of people Maybe are... we'll finally get that Metroid Prime trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, Wind Waker or... Uh, uh, what is it? Twilight Princess? Yeah. Twilight Princess for Switch. I mean, to kind of smooth things over while we wait. I suppose so. Yeah. Because we got Sky- Skyward Sword. Mm-hmm. So... It's not out of the question, but hopefully they'll have something planned to keep people placated until we get our games. Agreed. But yeah. All right. Next up, uh, this one is also a little bit of a hot topic. Uh, PS1 downloads disappearing and glitching on PlayStation 3 and Vita. Mm-hmm. So it looks like, uh, I don't know if it's happening to people who already downloaded the games, but it, I believe if people want to re-download them, they aren't able to, right? Yep. If you have, there's X number of PS1 classics available through the PS3 and Vita stores digitally, assuming you already own them, like 
for some reason the copyright or like upload date on them reverted back to a date in 1969. Yeah. And there hasn't been any sort of explanation for this yet. People are still hoping that like it's just a bug and maybe it'll go away and then, you know, people will still be able to re-download these, but again, like this is such a frequent topic of ours, just the unbelievably fleeting nature of you know, this form of digital ownership and you know, these companies having a fairly well, who gives a shit attitude about it? Like, you know, if anything, the the emphasis really should be on trying to woo gamers to take that route more often. But mm. I think when things like this occur, it sends exactly the opposite message. Like, you fool, why aren't you still buying physical copies of stuff? They're just going <laughs> to yoink this out from under you. Yeah, I do Um, agree. I mean, yeah, you're pushing digital downloads as convenience, but it actually has huge inconveniences like this. And we mm -hmm. talked about Gran Turismo 7 last podcast. So uh, you got to have some sort of solution. You got to have some sort of plan to help people that, I mean, because things like, hey, I'm moving my data to another system because i have a you know i found a system in better condition than my old one or hey my system broke what can i do to re-download my games if you don't have a good solution for them that's a lot of money that's down the drain i mean could you imagine absolutely your, your whole library was you know purchased online yeah i mean i definitely had a really large arsenal of virtual console titles particularly on the wii and you know that's uh (laughs) basically inaccessible now so yeah i I wish there was a way to back up all our stuff that (laughs) doesn't require like saving it onto a system maybe oh i know that we have some SD cards for some systems and external hard drives, but maybe we got to back it up like more than twice now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, you know, it's a, it's an ongoing source of disappointment. And unfortunately, I I personally don't see it getting any better. Like, you know, I think they've already kind of revealed their hand and it's like, well, this feels fairly disposable to us. I mean, moving right along. Like, I understand that there are relatively large technical hurdles for continuing to maintain those servers and keep those things alive. Um, but at the same time, it's like, well, people own that stuff, you know? Yeah. So are you just going to give them the middle finger or... You know, at the very least, you would think that somebody's prior credit purchasing something, like, if you, for whatever, like, say there was something beyond your control, like, mm-hmm. the rights holders for for a specific piece of software, like, 
actually lost it or something and are no longer able to field it on an older platform like isn't there a way of at least like dishing users credit for the present day platform something like, like there that, should yeah. be some means of redeeming or carrying that credit forward but but even just, so yeah yeah some people th- they just want their game they yep. don't want credit either they just want to play their game again mm-hmm. so no it's true and there's going to be an awful lot of lost titles especially like whenever the 3ds online store goes completely bye-bye like yeah that's a that's a lot of games but I guess uh, this is still better than having it all completely on the cloud, which we are completely at the mercy of the host of the cloud to keep mm-hmm. our games. Yeah. Yep. So everything's a rental service nowadays. And yeah, it's the wave of the future. Embrace Filthy. it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Very nice. Okay. So. Now, let's move on to the next topic, which is, well, Activision Blizzard. Had they turned over a new leaf? (laughs) So there were some articles saying that about over 1,000 QA testers are being put on full-time. According Mm -hmm. to Bloomberg, it will increase Activision Blizzard's workforce by 25%. And increase minimum salaries to $20 an hour. But is this as it seems? (laughs) What do you think, James? Well, a lot of different folks were quick to point out, like, there's a very interesting arc to the journalism being practiced around this specific story because there were some that pretty much just published that without any sort of, like, context like they're just Mm. like hey activision blizzard's gonna do this with qa testers and that's great but the linchpin thing here that wasn't discussed in some stories but thankfully was in others was the fact that this effort specifically excludes the q a workers at raven software who are the ones that unionized following you know all the stories about activision blizzard and their layoffs at the end of 2021 yeah so it's more of a bit of tactical fuckery than like you know they didn't straight up wake up one day and go oh you know we really should be paying those people more like it wasn't it wasn't exactly that at all although there were a fair number of stories that if you just read that you'd be like oh they're really making a, a good positive mood yeah, so, I, I have to admit, I was one of those people that read that headline and thought, oh, yeah, it's about time they do something good. Right, and, and they're then... counting on that. They're counting on a lot of gamers who maybe don't pay attention to these stories in an in-depth way, or yeah. many of whom probably honestly don't give a shit. That could be happening as well. But, yeah, there's definitely some intense sort of context and background to this and it's one of those murky political things where if you're not aware of like the both sides being you know leveraged against one another in this particular situation it would just seem like activision blizzard was doing a nice thing which they're 
not really. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, obviously it's good for those quality assurance testers that are going to see their pay go up and go to full time. But, you know, we still have to keep an eye out for like, well, what's the end game here? Like, are they going to end up fucking people out of things anyway? Or, you know, Activision Blizzard, given the rash of stories that have come out, they've not been the, you know, the best actors in this entire thing, you know, and uh, we'll just have to see where this ultimately lands. We also know that uh, Activision Blizzard and also Microsoft are kind of adverse to saying the U word union. Right. So. Yeah, they don't even want to acknowledge that the idea exists. I mean, that was an interesting sidebar to the whole MS and Activision Blizzard merger. Yeah. So or acquisition is the proper word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that you. I'm glad that you showed me the light because, like I said, I kind of just glanced at that tagline and said, "Oh, okay, I guess things are getting better." But yeah, now leopard. What's well, the thing? I mean, I, I read that, and initially my brain went, "Oh, well, that's a nice thing," and then like my uh, asshole political science major former self went, "Wait a fucking minute!" <laughs> like there's yeah. something happening with this, and then. Uh, it was, but you know, isn't, isn't some of the, uh, Activision, uh, staff, like the higher ups part of mm-hmm. former administrative, uh, teams, in, uh, from presidential days. I think there were a couple. Well, right? there is, there is a guy that's high up in the HR food, in the HR chain at Activision Blizzard who. Yeah. was a former official under the um administration of Trump. Yeah. So you know, do you think union this... busting would definitely seem to be on the menu for someone like that. But yeah, I was I was wondering if that had any relations to how they're kind of strong arming unions. Well, I mean, I'd assume like for any company that size, like mm-hmm it's their natural instinct to not want their employees to unionize because, you know, you're, you've got far more leverage if you're just dealing with employees on a one-to-one basis versus having them moving as one as a united front. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, we shall see what plays out with this. Yeah. The entertainment industry has been well known to kind of, uh, be pushed around and talks of union uh, unionizing is prevalent in terms of anything from voice acting to mm-hmm. if you talk about like animation geez they mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know animated movies especially in Japan like they get paid so poorly it's not even a li- livable wage right so and voice acting in those roles for, you know, movies, things like that, that those are also pretty pitiful. Right. So, and it's, entertainment industry has got to change, man. Cause it's, it's only fair. Uh, it's pretty rough. I mean, it's really built in a way that, you know, if you're passionate about your art, whatever it happens to be, and 
yeah. you happen to get an opportunity with one of these giant companies, like they know that you're likely to compromise on a variety of things just to get your foot in the door. But and it sucks. As we've seen it has a tendency to suck long term for an awful lot of people. So yeah, yeah. But well, what do you do? Yeah, what do you do? Well, uh, let's move on to our last topic for water cooler. Uh, might have heard of this. Uh, Hamsters Arcade Archives, uh, version of Packland. Uh, there's a little bit of a omission where there is no longer a Ms. Pac-Man with the red bow, but there's a Pac-Mom who has, a, I believe, a pink hat. Mm-hmm. And the baby also changed. So maybe it's a new baby that Pac-Man has. A second wife and a second baby? I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but if you hadn't heard of this, uh, basically it stems from the activities of at games and their little bit of a tiff with Namco. Uh, according to this uh, Polygon article that was published, uh, I believe, sometime in 2019, uh, what happened was uh, at games was a little bit uh, miffed because uh, they were being sued by Bandai Namco because what happened was uh, at games tried to make some sort of, uh, how should I say it, mini consoles that had Namco games on it. And Bandai Namco wasn't having it, so they took them to court. And then turn a week later after that lawsuit at games uh, acquired the loyalty rights from uh, GCC General Computer Corporation. So that's the company. Uh, uh, if you saw that Netflix uh, series called High Score, I believe mm-hmm. you'll know more about GCC. They're the college kids that made the uh, Ms. Pac-Man kit. It was not a Namco game. It was something that a group of college kids in the, the U.S. made and worked with Namco to distribute the game with Bally Midway as well. So yeah, um, now At Games has the loyalty rights, meaning that anytime Ms. Pac-Man appears in a Namco game, money has to go to At Games. And an At Games uh, representative, uh, he said, as a, and I quote, as part of our ongoing initiative to be caretakers of important cultural touchstones, we are privileged to gain these valuable rights pertaining to the Ms. iconic Ms. Pac-Man arcade game. <laughs> Quoted by Ping Kang Swing, the chief executive of At Games. <laughs> so there you go. If you were growing up and you were seeing these games arrive at the arcade, like Pac-Man, Ms. Pac-Man, Super Pac-Man, etc. Mm-hmm. You really would have had absolutely no clue that Pac-Man came from Namco, then to the U.S. by way of Bally Midway, and that Ms. Pac-Man was functionally like the first commercially offered hack. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's really strange to ponder that now because. If you were just a kid going to the arcade with a pocket full of quarters, you would have no way of knowing. 
I had no idea so, until recently. Yeah. Right. So, uh, like it's, I can see why Bandai Namco is going about doing what they're doing. They're just mm-hmm. like, look, that's some non-canon shit right there. And yeah. it's not really part of it. But like, if you grew up with that stuff, like Miss Pac-Man was a really, really fun follow-up. You know? Oh, it was super it, popular. Yeah. Probably more than Pac-Man have, original. Yeah. I mean, it was great to have different mazes. It was great to have um, the different munchables, the way they sort of... Um, that's the one where they'd actually move around the screen, right? Yeah. They move around yeah. the screen. Mm-hmm. Four so different like, layouts. Ma- maze yeah. layout. Yeah, so I mean, it had a really nice bit of variety that felt like a logical extension of the gameplay from Pac-Man. Don't, um, and don't don't forget the speed upgrade. Like some games had the speed mod where it goes a lot faster. Right, and that that's it's fun as hell to play Miss Pac-Man. You know, cranked balls to the wall with speed like that because you can spend a long time. You know, I can certainly last a lot longer with Miss Pac-Man you know, speedy than otherwise. Um, So I don't know. Like, it's weird. Like I definitely, if I were sitting at Bandai Namco, I would absolutely be doing the same thing. You know what I mean? Because you have to protect, protect your product. And it's clear that like the rights holders behind Ms. Pac-Man are just kind of weirdly clinging to this thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, a weird legal thing, yeah. But at the same time, it almost, it almost, you know, kind of forces the question, like, well, why in the hell doesn't Bandai Namco just buy that shit outright and never have this happen again? You know, that's what they were trying to do. They were yeah. in talks with GCC to just mm-hmm. flat out buy everything. But right. then when At Games was getting taken to court by Bandai Namco, they saw that opportunity and swooped in and got the royal loyalty, uh, royalty rights and mm-hmm. screwed them over. And Bandai Namco was so pissed because of that. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> the only experience I have with that games is that they're functionally a cautionary tale for people that love retro games now because yeah. um, you know, every time there's like a new sort of Genesis emulator or project, literally the standard for, oh my God, this is a giant piece of shit, is the old at games flashback Sega Genesis console, which mm. if you've seen footage of it running something like, say, Sonic the Hedgehog 3, um, you know, uh, Sega Genesis, the sound of that system has long been this sort of hot button topic because for a long time during the console wars, people thought, oh my God, that console just has shitty sound. And the fact is, the best games for the Sega Genesis have really excellent music. It's just a set of sound hardware that has to be finessed a really specific way. However, on the whole, if you listen to 
games made for the Super NES versus the Sega Genesis, just like a cross-section of average titles, you could come away with the conclusion, oh, the Super NES just has a vastly better sound chip. Yeah. Upon later reflection, it is definitely different. But in terms of the emulation scene around the Genesis, that has long been the sort of litmus test for, is this a good effort or not? And if you've seen what the at games Genesis flashback console does to the Genesis sound, it's, it's really, really, really bad. How bad? So how bad it's so bad. (laughs) Power power (laughs) glove bad. It's, um, (laughs) to quote the wizard, I'd say it's like CDI Zelda bad. Wow. That's that's pretty bad. Wow. I'd say so. Yeah. Ad games kind of has a very bad rep when it comes to gaming and gamers. Uh, they, uh, oddly enough, they had another type of controversy where at games were, uh, released a Namco flashback of all things, Namco, uh, where it was like a throwback console and it, uh, they had arcade ROMs in this console that they sent to the reviewers and the reviewers loved it. So they gave it glowing reviews uh, on YouTube and whatnot. And then when they put it out to the public, it was switched out the ROMs. Uh, The ROMs were NES Famicom ROMs and people were like, what the hell's going on? These are not the ROMs that I saw that YouTuber play on. Right. So everyone was so pissed about that. So, right. Yeah, at games, Namco. Yeah. Uh, Sketchy. Yeah. So, and it's sad to see that Ms. Pac Man is now embroiled in this. And who knows? We may never see her for a while because that Pac Man Museum Plus, that's also going to have Pac Land. And is that going to have the same edits as the archi- uh, Arcade Archives version will have, uh, already has? So. It seems fair to assume that it will because, yeah. Yeah. uh, uh, uh. Although, it should also be pointed out, and this is a thing that I gleaned from, um, this is a nugget unearthed by Tim Rogers, and I can't remember which video review it specifically came out in, but we may actually owe the existence of Super Mario Brothers to Pac-Land. Oh, really? Because apparently Shigeru Miyamoto was a big Pac-Man fan mm. and he saw Pac-Land yeah. and he thought it was fantastic and, you know, was the kind of direction that the Mario series should go in. Hmm. So, and I mean, to be fair, like, there wasn't a lot else that was like Pac-Land at the time. No, there wasn't. It was like a <laughs> kind of like a long scrolling stage mm-hmm. with platforms, places right. to jump, and people uh, ghosts to avoid, and points to collect, power-ups mm-hmm. to get. Yeah, I can see that as yeah, yeah. It makes a lot of sense now. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, did so- not know that. You know, I saw Pac-Land in the arcade way back, and I thought it was super cool, and I, in fact, used to play it. It was, 
weird though because it just had like buttons to run in either direction yeah you know didn't have a joystick or like a four-way d-pad or anything like that it had that in the jump button right Mm-hmm. yeah so i heard the uh, the arcade archives version there's a a option where you can have it so it does like a rapid fire so you can actually run instead of keep tapping the the button right because i think was it is that correct i don't know well it was more it was more momentum based yeah i haven't like, played it at all yeah, so. it wasn't like you were tapping it like track and field to make it move oh uh, okay it was more like if you hit the button it would just move in that direction but like stay on you know yeah. what i mean yeah um if any of this is absolutely wrong um you should yeah. yell at us for it yeah and we will happily uh retract because <laughs> i will freely admit that it has been quite a long time you know what i should do i should fire up like the pc engine rom of that later on and check it out because i'm curious yeah. now and for me uh i'm planning to get the arcade archives version of packland uh this week mm-hmm. just to check it out because like i said i haven't played it yeah uh, i i saw it when i was a kid but i never actually got to play it so oh well you'll you'll probably enjoy the heck out of it then because weirdly enough that game like so many of the things that materialized in the pac-man saturday morning cartoon yeah we're sort of enshrined in Pac-Land, like further. And that song is still in there. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So it's interesting because like, you know, uh, it's kind of the same thing that happened with um, some of the Street Fighter games after the Street Fighter anime movie came out. Yeah. Like a lot of things in the game began to be like, oh, well, we should have Ken with the red ribbon in his hair and you know rue with the white ribbon and all those other little details that were glommed and evil ken he actually made it into mm-hmm. i think street fighter the the hyper street fighter was that right or the no violent like ken is in ultra yeah ultra street fighter street fighter. Too. yeah yep. yeah yeah there you go and then which uh, is right from the anime movie as well and SNK versus Capcom SNK's take on. I don't like to talk about that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. We'll just bury that. We'll just bury that. Sorry, I, I, I'm going to wipe that from from our little. No, podcast. no, no. Keep it present. It's okay. terrible, and we should not be afraid to talk about terrible things. But uh-huh. okay. But I yeah. think we've I think we've gone on this tangent before, but like. Yeah. In the history of like immensely disappointing games, mm-hmm. SBC Chaos definitely for me was just like a oh god why? Because before that, I was so excited to see what SNK was going to do with access to Capcom's characters. Yeah, but you know, had SBC Chaos come out in like 1999. Mm-hmm probably might have been fantastic but i mean in much the way that the uh, match of the millennium on the neo geo pocket is great yeah like, i love that game too 
Mm-hmm. Like my expectations were seeded by that, but I also didn't realize that like, you know, the talent pool at SNK slash Autoze slash Eolith or whoever the hell was putting out like that last run of titles, you know, KOF 2001 through 2003, they're just a shell of what they were. I mean, if you look at SVC Chaos and then you look at Garo Mark of the Wolves, yeah, and you didn't know it's... when those games came out and you asked somebody which came out first, yeah, most people would probably think that SVC Chaos came out first, but it did not. Yeah, it's a stark contrast. I mean, when you look at SVC Chaos and you see Hugo's sprite, how... Uh-huh. How is it possible that they ripped a sprite from another game from another company and put it on that game? That's how bad it was. <laughs> right. It's terrible. No, for sure. Yeah. But I agree with you. It was so shocking. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, SNK had a great game, uh, Neo Ge- Geo Pocket Color version of a fighting game mm-hmm. and the card battle clash. Uh, what is it? Card Fighters Clash? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are great games. Yeah. And then to end it with that, oh. It's pretty, pretty disappointing. Left a real bad taste. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully they have a chance to kind of make it up, make up for it someday. But yeah. Uh, last thing I want to say about at games, uh, I, in uh, Bandai Namco's honor, I think we should put. Put them in the hurt locker, you know. I think we should. Yeah, yeah. Put it in the, put it in, put them in there, and kind of lock them up with some padlocks and chains, and hand it to Bandai Namco, and you know they can go to a cliff and dump them off like Kazuya. Yeah. Yeah. No bueno. Just dump them off. Yep. Kazuya's the man. At games is in the hurts locker. Yes, sir. Sorry, guys. See ya. <laughs> Wouldn't want to be you. All right, we're going to take a quick break. So it's time for us to step back for a few seconds. Uh, oh, God, it hurts is part of the Ruminations radio network. What you're about to hear is a commercial fe- featuring another podcast from the RRN. So if you're interested to listen to this podcast, please do take a visit to ruminationsradionetwork.com, where you can find this podcast and many more like it. We'll be right back. What's up, gang? This is Hoptimus. You've been listening to one of the great new podcasts from Ruminations Radio Network. If you want some more tasty sound vibes, come check out my new podcast, The Retro Futurist Culture, where we talk about alternate timelines, cyberpunk, anime, and other crazy worlds. If that does not strike your fancy, we have plenty of other great shows at ruminationsradionetwork.com. Okay, we're back. Hello. Hey, Hey, James. Hey, James, did you... uh... It was pretty awesome to join a Hoptimus and Retro Futurist culture. Wouldn't it you was. Agree? It was yeah. a good time. Yeah. We talked about, the... about Lita in a while, at least yeah. not since going to see Battle Angel Lita in the theaters, which again, like at the time walking out, I was just like, whew, I don't know how I feel about that. But, um, yeah. You know, it's, uh, 
it's weird how many of these series that like you, myself, and Hoptimus love that are just like the most obscure, unbeloved like footnotes yeah. in you know, manga and anime writ large. Because I was thinking about like, you know, we all love Battle Angel slash Gunnam. Um and then of course Area eighty eight which was the basis for Capcom's UN squadron. Yeah. Another great old manga and very limited two part OAV series that like people that know it love it to pieces, but like 97% of fans don't know what the F that is. Yeah. Even in Japan, not many people Mm -hmm. know about it, but it was great uh, chatting with you guys about it because it's kind of like those, you know, remember those times when you had those Star Wars trivia games mm-hmm. and you and Optimus would go at it because you guys knew everything about Star Wars. And I would yeah. just sit there and say, uh, I think Han Solo is pretty cool. Well, that, I mean, that's how I felt because you guys are like deep fans of that franchise, especially you having read all of those manga. I mean, yeah seen the movie i'd seen the two-part oavs i used to love that oav those oavs um or wait is it ova ironed out is it ovas or oavs i think it's ovas (laughs) okay because i seem to remember the joke like i feel like that was either or way back when yeah and someone made the joke where it's just like oh another video like this whole <laughs> <stuff> <laughs> oh god i'm gonna have to look that up god yeah i hope it's not like that gif gif battle so it's more like it's original video animations okay yeah so it's ova i thought that's yeah. what it was okay yeah i'll try to keep that in mind for next time but yeah it was good talking about that the movie yep yep all right so let's head on over to now playing yep all right, James, tell us what you got. What have you been playing, man? Um, I have still been playing some King of Fighters 15, just not nearly as much as I would like. Yeah. Um, it's still the gift that keeps on giving. Um, I enjoy the gameplay immensely. You know, now having the Garou team that just dropped as DLC for it a few weeks back is also magnificent. Yeah. Uh, um who are you yeah. playing now? Are you playing a new character? Um I'm trying to learn Gato at the moment. Yeah. Because he's just got like a ridiculous set of tools in this game. Like he's got a huge move list. Oh, really? Um yeah. Bigger he's got than a huge move list. Yeah. And um you know, I always thought he was a super cool character in Garo. He was probably like my second character that I'd use behind uh Marco Rodriguez. So I gotta gotta rep the uh uh Kyokugenru. Yeah, he's cool too. I he wish is. he was in the game. Uh, you know, I have a feeling like if the endings are at all any sort of yardstick for this, I have a mm-hmm. feeling we'll wind up with like a Marco Rodriguez, Takama, and maybe like, 
because the whole ending is how um like they've turned the uh Kyokugenru dojo into like a barbecue joint what? like it's really funny it's like your classic S&K humor so like they're all running a barbecue joint and then Robert like freaks out and declares himself Mr. Karate 2 wow and says that like you know the dojo sucks for shit now and you know <laughs> and they all need to repent and just start training hard again nice so it would be really really funny if we wind up getting like a second set of Kyokugen <laughs> fighters for that game cuz obviously that would like be cool. there's there's a deep 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 basis for it um but yeah that game that game is pretty damn smooth i can't i can't front on it like it's it's met all of my expectations and then some shattered so i've been pretty stoked with that i've still been playing some more ketsui on the ps4 um and it's not death tiny right it's destiny 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 (laughs) i listen to destiny Um, child sometimes right i do so beyond that um one new thing uh if you're a patreon supporter of hotego who is one of the premier core developers doing projects for the mister um this year or this week this year this week he added a beta for rastan yeah so i've been playing rastan like if you're not familiar with rastan damn it you should be because it's great it's a great side scrolling conan the barbarian knockoff from taito from from taito and it's very very taito it's got this it looks really cool the animation's good and it's got a fantastic soundtrack yeah it plays so if really you never well played yourself some rastan you should you can yeah. absolutely avoid um nastar warrior aka rastan saga 2 that game's a big pile of shit don't play it yeah i didn't realize it was Rastan until I looked at the title and Nastar is Rastan spelled backwards, isn't it? Or close uh-huh. to being spelled backwards. <laughs> but it's just, it's also just got like the fuggliest art style. Yeah. It's kind of like how I was shocked to learn that what Dracula's Castle was the precursor to Castlevania back in the day when it was in arcades. When oh, it was... Haunted Castle? Yeah, that's it. Haunted Castle. Yep. Yep. And. That was well, Simon, it's, it's but a big like, sprite. Yeah, it's funny now if you think about that game and then what they set out to do with uh, Super Castlevania Four on the Super NES. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they've always sort of been torn between like, you know, the legitimate, excellent eight-bit NES games in the Castlevania series. And then doing something with a larger, more dynamic main character sprite. Yeah. And it's like Super Castlevania 4, they did it really, really well. The eight-way whip, I love it to pieces. Like, I kind of wish that mechanic would show up again. Yeah. Um, it was definitely but, a coup whip. Yeah, coup yeah. Whip. Coup whip. Coup whip. Um, <laughs> I just want it known for the record, I am not a Family Guy fan. <laughs> I think coup whip 
is hilarious and there may be three <laughs> other moments of that show worth remembering and yeah. that's it um however yeah <laughs> uh, Haunted castle plays like a really really super janky version of super castlevania 4 but like devoid of any of the gameplay polish or fun i guess that yeah back in the day those big sprites yeah those big sprites back in the day were kind of unwieldy don't you think well yeah i mean they just it didn't animate well the collision detection in that game is not good like it's just very like oh like it's probably (laughs) the it's probably the least impressive Castlevania, you know, game that's traceable to the Castlevania line. Yeah. You know, it's probably the worst of the entire series. Every series has a game that you want to forget. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, hmm. yeah, that's the one. Yeah. But glad you're playing it on Mr. Man. That sounds yeah. like a fun time. I have it For on my sure. uh, my Egret 2 Mini. I play it nice. once in a while, but I should play it more, like you said. It's a good Definitely. game. Yeah. And it's it's nice, too, because prior to that, and I don't understand why, like, beyond its appearance on the Egret 2 and some of the, I want to say the PS2 era Taito collections that released, released for that console, like mm-hmm. mid-2000s. Yeah. Um. The only other version of it that I recall is the Master System version of it. Yeah, that's true. And I'll never understand why that game didn't get ported more, because that game was dope. It might come out for Arcade Archives one day, you never know, because they do release title titles once in a while. It's true. Um, It'd be great if they did, because that game, more people should play Rostan. Yeah, they should. I agree. So what are you playing right now, Ed? Oh, uh well I did get Kirby and the Forgotten Land. And that's a really nice game to just kind of relax and de-stress and just nice. run around and experiment what Kirby can do because uh-huh. now with his new 3D exploration capabilities, it's just fun to like get a power up and see what you can do. Like <laughs> I've been uh getting the fire power up and trying to burn all these patches of grass and see what I can and cannot burn stuff like that. Very nice. Cur- Kirby is very destructive. <laughs> it is. Well, I mean, Jesus, he has a sword. He can throw bombs. And I mean, he's kind of an amoeba if you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't realize how destructive he is until you just kind of sit down and say, Hey, you know, it's a kid's game, but man, if Kirby was real, he'd be like, a t- weapon of destruction. <laughs> yep. But it's pretty fun. It's pretty fun to play. Um right You're now enjoying full mode. Yes, I am. Yes. <laughs> Trying to see what I can put my mouth into, you know. Who who doesn't enjoy mouthful mode? Yeah, it's so great seeing how far you can stretch it. <laughs> but yeah, I I like it because um it's one of those games where you you can 100% uh, a level. So there's a lot of hidden things. And mm-hmm. I like to just spend, like, if I play it, it'll be, like, for 30 minutes at a time, and I'll just try to 
a hundred percent a level and I'll, I'll feel satisfied and I'll feel a little bit relaxed because, you know, nowadays, uh, especially with, uh, I got a lot of stuff to do at work. Mm -hmm. I need that time to decompress and just play a game and not think too much about right anything, but just having fun. So that's a great game to relax to. Um, also because of you, I have delved once again into the hot fighting history with ER Kung Fu. Nice. On Arcade Archives. Yeah. So I remember when I was a kid, I loved this game. Game was Mm -hmm. so great for its time because, I mean, think about it, James. Like, when was at that time period? Did you know very many games that had uh, synthesized voice samples? Just like, yeah, and you could. Have your character do the draw, yeah, draw. You know, it was so fun to do and like jumping around. It felt like uh, you were in a, you were watching a one of those old kung fu flicks. You know what I mean? Yep. And the characters were really cool, but man, that game was hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. Freaking hard. So as a kid, I remember getting to the second wave of characters, and I couldn't get past Club. Because yep. Club kept having this shield where he would block everything you would hit, uh, throw out. And I had no idea how to beat him. And oddly enough, I hadn't played for, for in all these years. So I just started playing again this week. And I finally beat Club. Mm-hmm. And I got to Tonfun. Nice. And he was he was a bastard. I finally beat him yesterday. Not once, <laughs> nice. but twice. But then you get to the last character, which is Blues, which yeah. he's a buff version of you. And right. he'll lock you down, man. Like, if you get anywhere near him, you can't jump away. He'll just start punching the crap out of you. And yep. now I'm having to deal with him, trying to figure out how to beat him. But yeah, I'm Blues. trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. Blues feels a lot like they're trying to reference Bolo Young. Yeah. who was in enter the dragon like if you don't remember bolo like he was the massively buff dude with just like gigantic fucking pectorals yeah and blues definitely has those so i feel like that's kind of what they were trying to reference for the last battle of yar kung fu that's Um, great i only ever completely beaten that game there was the konami arcade collection for the ds oh yeah 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 i remember that yeah yeah and that was like the first time there was like i never had the um i know there was also a ps2 version of ur kung fu by hamster yeah but i never owned it like the first one that i ever got to play that i felt like was a really solid facsimile of the arcade was the one on the ds and I did manage to beat that one. I've been playing Yar Kung Fu on the Mr. Core, and yeah. I can get to Blues, but I still haven't managed to beat him yet. Wow. Yeah, he is a bastard. But mm-hmm. I, I think I do have the DS collection. The, it's the one nice. that has crazy uh, Circus Charlie, not Crazy Charlie. <laughs> yep. Circus Charlie. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple other great games. Uh, I, I think, think they have Circus Charlie, Time Pilots. Uh, Shaolin's Road. 
the sequel, the unofficial sequel, I guess, to Yo Kung Fu. Kicker. Yeah, Kicker. Yep. Yeah. Has and uh, I think character. it's also got like Scramble. Yeah. Yeah, I still have it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they also had a Game Boy Advance version of Konami That's titles. Right, they did. And, it was Arcade uh, Advanced. And they made some improvements to the Yero Kung Fu game, but it doesn't really play like the arcade, though, from yeah. what I remember. So that's yeah. why. Yeah. But yeah, I love that game. I want to beat Blues. I, I, I'm I hell bent on beating him because, mm-hmm. like I said, my brother and I, I remember we played this game a lot and yeah, we couldn't get very far. And that's the last guy. And I want to kick the crap out of him so I can say I did it put it on the yep. list mm-hmm. never and i'll play it again someday but yeah i want to get that off my to do no list. i mean that's the thing er kung fu is absolutely the missing link between whatever came before like karate champ always gets cited as like oh it's a great progenitor to street fighter but no there's ER a kung lot fu, more er kung fu in <laughs> yeah. street fighter yeah. Than any other game. They had more personality. I mean, every fighter has their own little thing. Like Star yep. throws throwing stars. Club mm-hmm. has his club and shield. And happens to look a lot like Chun Li. Yeah. And she's then, got uh, the little puffs. <laughs> yep. Yeah. She was the original fighting hottie. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. And then the great secret of punching Buchu in the balls. Mm-hmm. Or he says, Nihao. <laughs> Nihao. Nihao. Is it Nihao? Or... Why would he say hello when <laughs> you punch him in the balls? That's why I, I don't know. Maybe it's meant for comedic effect, you know? Probably. Like, hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. I got to look that up. But yeah, yeah, definitely play it if you haven't played it yet. Yes. Uh, James and I recommend it. All right. So now. We come to the big question. Yep. So it's spring. Spring has sprung. It's spring cleaning time. And, well, we're going to talk about your video game backlog. But oh, don't bring that up. Oh, but no, no, There's no. So much shame. But, but the, the gaming gods have granted you a power. You can halt time. So if you, if you can halt time and spend your leisurely time, not having to worry about eating or meeting up with people or working, whatnot, you know, those stupid mortal things we have to do. Mm-hmm. You can focus on three games that you can play to completion and take it out of your backlog of shame. Nice. So if you could stop time and play these three games, what three games would you like to play to completion to take off your backlog of video games? James, oh, man. let's start with you. So, oh, I have a really enormous backlog, and it really just speaks to, like, how many different companies, catalogs I absolutely adore, like, how many great games there have been that I've still not gotten to sit down and just absolutely dive into. It's it's an epidemic. All gamers go through this, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um... But yeah. Well, let me let's see. I think the first one, and now I'm torn because there will soon be a brand new option to experience this game. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I've long heard that Dragon Quest three is actually like the first great Dragon Quest game. And there are a lot of references to Dragon Quest three in Dragon Quest eleven. Really? Which I completed. I still haven't um, gotten to play that, but yeah, that's cool to know because I Yeah. That means I should play Dragon Quest three. Mm-hmm. And so obviously there's a variety of different ways to play that game. There would be the Famicom original. Um, there was the Super Famicom remake of the game. Um, and then there's also a forthcoming remake that will be in Squaresoft's HD 2D format, as um, we've seen with Octopath Traveler. Yeah, excited for that. forthcoming Live Alive remake. So I think Dragon Quest Three is definitely way up there for me. Yeah. But I think what I may do now is just wait for the Switch remake to drop. That's a good idea. And immerse myself in that one. Although I have played the translated ROM of it on the Super NES core on Mr. And it is also a really beautiful game there. Like it's more of a late Super Famicom effort with a fairly large ROM size attached. So nice you know the the animations are really really nice and the music is your typical dragon quest excellence so that would be high on that list wait but um, ho- hold on hold on didn't they make it for ds as well dragon no quest they have, you have dragon quest four five and six on ds ah okay just making sure those, i didn't know those are all like really in-depth like remakes like full-on uh-huh. remakes um oh. But yeah, um, after that, another game that I've always wanted to finish backwards and forwards, and it's still one of those games where like I've had a few stabs at it and maybe gone like five, ten hours into it. Um, I would also love to complete Suikoden. Good choice. For the PlayStation. Um yeah. I've always heard great things about it. I've heard the second one is also fantastic. And apparently, like, if you beat the first one and manage to get all 108 characters, that there's something to do with the save for that game that starts you off in a unique place with Suikoden 2, from what I've heard. So that would be another trip that I would love to take if time were no factor. Um, yeah i heard so many good things yeah yeah no i mean it's 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 a beloved game and it's stupidly expensive now as well so can't you still download it from uh the ps store well i don't know if you can now after this week's news (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's true jesus i mean the last time when i last owned a vita which was about two years ago now Mm mm-hmm it was playable on the as a PS1 classic from the store. So oh, maybe can, maybe can. Perhaps there's other means of playing it as well, oh. which I will not elaborate on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Dragon Quest Three, Suikoden, and then to cite something way more recent, um, and this probably is occurring to me as we were just talking about Platinum. I also really want to sit down and beat Astral Chain. 
Hmm. I think that's a game that's worth my time. It's a little bit different than the Bayonetta games. Um, that's one I should also find some time to pick apart. Yeah, I would love to play that game. I haven't bought it yet, but it's getting a little cheaper, especially yeah. used. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. But so, what are you, what are your three uh, Rift in Time games that you would finally <laughs> sit down and spend some time with, Ed? All right, uh, these three uh, kind of diverse in terms of why I can't really play them now, but would love mm-hmm. to have more time. Um, first one is Star Tropics. Nice. So, this game, great soundtrack. It's fun to play. But it mm-hmm. can be a real troll, man, because there are times where some stuff happens in the game where it's like, what the hell am I supposed to do? Or this is super hard. It's like I I get super frustrated <laughs> playing this mm-hmm. game every time. Uh, in fact, uh, there was one part where I got stuck to the point where I felt like, man, this is freaking impossible. I mm-hmm. I. I caved in and I usually don't do this, but I looked up a subtle hint (laughs) to figure out what's going on. Right. And then I found out that it was something that was not easily perceptible. And that was the reason why. Yeah. In that era of translations. Yeah. A lot of times there was not a lot of care taken. Um, The original fantasy star is famous for this. Yeah. Like the clues are really, really opaque. Exactly. And with a lot of those older RPGs, the path forward is not clear at all. So yeah. it, it, it's to the point where you got to buy a guide or something. Well, back in the day, if you mm-hmm. had the hotline, like the Nintendo hotline, you would be calling it almost every time for this game. <laughs> right. As a sidebar in this topic, though. Yeah. I've heard that there's a lot of ROM hacks of mm. Star Tropics. Really now. Some of which really improve like the more annoying aspects of both the localization and just some weird hitches with the way the character handles. Yeah. So if you ever do sit down, you know, fully intending to dip into that, you might want to research some of that first. Well, it's kind of like how we talked about it before, where it's like, um, I'll probably play the original first, and then afterwards I'll, you know, dabble with the uh, the ROM hacks and stuff to see how different it I can was. I see that. Yeah, and kind of appreciate what they did in the hacks and then what mm-hmm. they did in the original. But yeah, that's what I'd like to do, at least beat the original. I'm playing it through the Nintendo Switch Online. Uh, yeah. That of games that they have for... NES and Super NES. Cool. Yeah. So what so, else would be on that list? Um, well, last year, around this time, I bought a game called Derby Stallion. Mm-hmm. So horse racing games are not super popular in America and other parts of the world, but it's super popular in Japan, right? So mm-hmm. I got the latest one for Nintendo Switch, and I kind of got hooked because I saw someone play it on Twitch. I saw someone play a winning post for Sega Saturn on okay. Twitch. And it looked like a lot of fun raising yeah. horses and seeing uh, if your horse would 
do well or not uh, as you raise them and then breed them, make more champions, things like that. So I got it because it was on sale at a local store. And uh, one thing that drew me to getting it is uh, it has built-in commentary, right? So Mm -hmm. it can say the name of your horse as you ride through the race. So one thing I really want to do for funsies is uh, name my horse, Oh God, It Hurts, and see how the commentary is. Nice. (laughs) Oh God, It Hurts. (laughs) You should. And I will record it, and I will put it online once I do it. <laughs> now, when you feed it in, would you have to spell Hertz more yeah. like the way Hertz is spelled? I'd have to figure out phonetically, yeah. 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 And then test it out with the uh, the game and see how it says it, and then go with that. So even though, it, yeah. Wait, would it be Hots? That I don't know, yeah. I okay. have to look it up. But <laughs> see, what one thing that's keeping me from fully divesting uh investing my intention attention to it is the language barrier. Right. So that's gonna take a lot of effort. And I think I mentioned before the only game I beaten in Japanese was Metopia, which was great. I got it back in the day where it was only out in Japan and it was there for a year and I finally got around to playing it while it was still Japanese exclusive and it was so fun and it's quite good to use as a tool to practice Japanese, you know, it was a fun story. So yeah, I would love to do the same with Derby Stallion. Um, That's cool. Is uh, Final Fantasy three for Super Nintendo, AKA Final Fantasy six. Right on. And you know why? It's because uh, a lot of people keep telling me I gotta turn in my gamer card because I haven't played this game yet. <laughs> and, well, number uh, one, fuck yeah. those people. Yeah, thank number you. Number two, um, it is a fantastic FF game. Like, yeah, I'm always torn when I think about that and like, you know, the real SNES heyday of those games. Yeah, because like. To me, the perfect Final Fantasy story is always going to remain Final Fantasy IV. Just because I love a JRPG where, like, you are plugged in with that same set of characters for the most part throughout the entire game. And I just love that story to pieces. However, FF6. Like, it's such an enormous flex from that team as far as, like, pushing the hardware and giving you just a really ridiculous and awesome spate of characters with wildly different abilities and some genuinely great musical moments. I still don't think that story is quite as strong as Final Fantasy IV. Yeah. But damn, it's a showpiece for the Super NES. Yeah. Like um, it really is. I don't know much about it, to be honest. Like I said, yeah. there was a time where I kind of avoided RPGs because I was too into fighting games and sports games. So, yeah. But kind of like back in the day where uh, I didn't play Earthbound either. But four years ago, I finally sat down and played it. And people were actually telling me, man, I'm jealous because. That's one of those games where you kind of wish you could play it again for the first time. 
because once you mm-hmm. play it for the first time, if you're too young and you don't really appreciate what you're playing, right? As you get older, you're like, man, I should have appreciated it a lot more and just savored it. Mm-hmm. So they said I was lucky, and maybe I can do the same with Final Fantasy three SNES, aka six. Yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm bummed for you that that isn't a Nintendo Switch Online title. Oh, I would play it, it probably right now never if I will could. be. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> um, it's just too damn valuable. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, man, that that's really it's an impressive game, and I mean, I first got wind of that one. Um. I had that game pirated on three and a half inch floppies oh, yeah. for my super pro fighter, um, three and a half inch disc drive copier for super Famicom. Is that the one Jackie and Chan had? Yes, <laughs> it is actually the, I, I'm pretty nice. sure it's the same unit in that Jackie Chan photo that's floating around, but, yeah. um, yeah, it just does a lot of marvelous things for the hardware and like it is also incredibly simple uh cinematic um yeah i mean i think there are elements of that that like if you were ever to do and lord knows this will never happen there will never be another final fantasy movie yeah after what happened with the spirits within but yeah um, you know, Advent Children wasn't too bad, but I haven't seen Spirits Within, so <laughs> was it that terrible? Um, you know, it's very impressive CG because obviously they were sinking a fuck ton of money, yeah, into that. Like that's like Square at their most. Like we're going to take over the world with our <laughs> CG and. You know, like they had very, very large aspirational goals at that moment. Wow. And, you know, that movie and that studio in Honolulu was like their moonshot. And of course, they wound up losing a lot of money over the way that all evolved. But, um, no, they're just, there's just a lot of beautiful stuff in Final Fantasy 3, a.k.a. 6, and you absolutely should spend some time with that one. It's very worthwhile. I definitely want to, man, because if it's yeah. anything like Earthbound, I'm sure it's going to be a experience to really savor. <sighs> That's an odd bit of comparison. I don't know. Well, I, like, I wouldn't compare them directly, but yeah. the sense of, wow, this is an excellent game. I'm glad I played it. Yep. Type. That that's what I'm, I'm sure you'll definitely to. come away with at least that. Um, yeah, but, but yeah. I I do have a question. Uh, Final Fantasy Four is that Final Fantasy Two SNES? Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, I would love to play that too. Can I put that in a combo pack for the third <laughs> one? Because <laughs> yeah, um, I'm gonna play that too. Yeah, I mean that's still my that's still hands down like my favorite story. Um, yeah just by virtue of like the rift between like the main character and his brother in arms and his love story and all these different things that happen. Like 
to me, that's like the most coherent and focused and like has the best emotional landing of any mm. of the FF games to me thus far. But there's also a fair number of them that I have not played as well. Like haven't spent nearly the time that I should with like the PlayStation entries, mm. etc. So yeah. I don't know. You'll, you'll, you'll definitely find a lot to love there though. I mean, as such a snapshot of the era from whence it came, I mean, you have one character in that game who actually has Street Fighter commands for some of his uh, ability attacks. Oh, nice. Like, you actually roll a quarter circle to throw, like, this power beam, or you forward, back, forward, and he does, like, a Kyokugen-style rapid punch. Wow. I don't I don't even think Chrono Trigger does that either, right? I mean I don't think it I don't think any of the characters in Chrono Trigger had actual like SF command moves. Like That's pretty cool. It's then. just interesting that like you know, Street Fighter was such a big deal at that point. Yeah. That it was leaving ripples in all of these other games. Oh. So yeah, man. Well, uh if I ever get to play it, I guess I'll finally figure out why they uh, a lot of people like that octopus type of creature that comes from that game. I, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I I've only heard of it because there's a local DJ, uh, video game DJ. Uh, video game DJs are pretty big in uh, Japan, especially in Osaka. Mm-hmm. She loves Final Fantasy, and she always has that character <laughs> in one of her like videos as she's DJing. <laughs> so, nice. Yeah, I always wondered. It makes sense for a DJ. Yeah. Like you would admire a character with lots of arms because then you could cut shit up real good. Yeah. 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 But that's cool, man. (laughs) I look forward to it. Yeah. So great choices, man, for you. And likewise, uh, sir. Yeah. Hope uh, we get to stop time soon. Yes. Try time travel machines or time stopping machines. Uh, I'm Mm -hmm. down with either one. (laughs) For sure. All right. So. All right, it's time to put a bow on this, man. Um, yep. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, yeah, if you like what you hear, please rate and subscribe. And yeah, we'll keep putting out podcasts like this one. Um, uh, also, support all of uh, the other podcasts on Ruminations Radio Network. Uh, if you can, please visit ruminationsradionetwork.com. We'd really appreciate it. All right, until next time. Peace out, man. Peace out, everybody. Talk to you later.